So, question about um, when we're doing sitting meditation, are we to be mindful of feelings inside the whole body? We breathe in and out. When any thoughts or bodily pain arises, are we to contemplate them with loving kindness? Well, if you're making breathing in and out your topic of meditation when you sit, then you should be mindful of that. Breathing in and out. And as with uh, many experiences, the thing we're attending to manifests as it manifests, it manifests in a range of ways, called the aggregates. And so if you're mindful of breathing, you're mindful of a certain form, breath form of the breathing, column, repeated, subtle form. Yeah. Our coarse form, might say is the material form, and the breath body is the fine material, rupa. Right, so it's a fine material. It's not exactly substance, but it's definitely something you can say it's there. There it is. It's long, it's short. So it has a manifest in terms of a form. You can measure that form. That's why it's called a form. But also with the breathing, the, we, the, the perception derives from it. Sanya. Perception derives from it. The recognition, oh, this is, this is bright, this is soft, this is gentle, this is ragged. These are, you know, perceptions that arise, the way we describe things that arises. Feeling arises, this is pleasant, this is unpleasant, this is subtly pleasant, this is slightly agreeable. But it changes to be more agreeable, less agreeable. So feeling fluctuates. And we can also recognize it's uh, sankara, means it's, it's, a, it's an, active, an activity. It definitely arises, occurs. It's a dynamic activity that's constantly changing. It's called a kaya sankara. Bodily activity, bodily formation, bodily energy. So, as you're mindful of breathing, you can sense all of these aggregates, the five aggregates, form, feeling, perception, sankharas, of course, consciousness, that is, it's arising in bodily, in the bodily consciousness, realm of body consciousness. So, what is breathing? What's anything? Everything we experience occurs in terms of these five aggregates. So, living things, things that are alive, like walking, there's a form to it, there's a, definitely, that's a walking form, yeah, but uh, it's not just a form, it's also the feeling, it's also the perceptions, it's also the energy is running through, so this is an amalgam of experiences. 
as we just stay with that process then the activations become unified so the sankara is not spinning off into doubt ill will misinterpretations calming helps the gather and soothe and steady the the kaya sankara the bodily formation that feels pleasant of course it feels pleasant. Remember the aim of the top of the project is not necessarily just to feel pleasant. Feeling pleasant makes it good. But it's also see this is not just pleasant, it's beneficial in that my mind is no longer oppressed with worry and doubt. My, no, my, long, my mind is no longer running around craving and aversion, regret and doubt. So it's more than pleasant, it's also beneficial. So as we contemplate breathing, recognize how these aggregates, which can run in all kinds of different directions, become mollified, subdued, quietened, steadied. They're no longer bothering us. And then they become quite, you get a unification experience. You know? And then, with, uh, you're, then you begin to recognize what is breathing anyway? Is it nothing? Is it something? Is it a feeling? No. Does it mean there's no feeling? No. What is it? It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it seems to be like air moving. That's a perception. Yeah, it's um, and we can interpret it in various ways. And eventually, the, all the ideas fall away. And the aim of the breathing, like any other meditation, it's not just the breathing, but how it begins to first unify the mind and then empty the mind. The mind gives up thinking about it, trying to figure it out. Just okay. It's quiet and receptive. That's the aim, is to, dis, to dis deconstruct mental complexity. So we're left with something like a very pure, clear awareness, mind uncluttered. Yeah. So sure, you know, you feel the feeling, it's a feeling, but you're not caught in the feeling. The feeling is agreeable, is also, but you see, this is where again something like feeling, oh, nice, oh, great, really good. So get a bit excited about it, and then really lose balance. Or oh, getting really great energy, nice, and get excited about the energy, and we lose balance. Then you see all of this just keep all together, and this is happening in a body. So then the energy is kept in the body, mind doesn't spin out, throwing it off into fantasies, notions, the energy is kept in the body, begins to suffuse the entire body. It says that there's not one aspect of one's body, not one pore of the skin, 
that is not saturated, drenched with this happiness, this ease, this comfort. That even that's not the main aim. The main aim is because of this I'm not afflicted with fidgeting. Therefore, my mind's clear of all that agitation and I can begin to review this experience, recognize it's all just empty conditions, just things playing around. And what is it that know that? This takes us, this process takes us this, this direction. So when you're feeling things, you get a pleasant feeling, of course, but let it rise and pass. Stay with that process, breathing through. So when thoughts or bodily pain arises, are we to contemplate with loving kindness? Uh, Not necessarily, it's mostly you just don't react to them. Don't react and say, This is just Sankara. It's another jiggy you could do. Jiggy you could do. So, what? You know, it's just another set of that going on. It's been going on every day of your life. It's like a frog bouncing around. Okay. What do we do about it? Run after it? Get annoyed about it. Try to understand why it's happening. Just that's just a just a mad frog jumping around. Don't react. Now, if you are feeling yourself getting annoyed and upset and angry and disappointed and hating yourself for it, then you might need to say, oh, "Just, just take. Don't worry about it. Be pleasant. Be peaceful with yourself." Just don't get involved with this don't concern yourself about all this and it, it will lose its impact this is disengagement viveka dispassion viraga not getting agitated not reacting viroda ceasing the input don't add any more input to it and it begins to, the fire begins to cool down because you're not throwing anything on it. So, okay, to use Buddha, Buddha, the mantra, Buddha for sitting meditation. Yep. Um, if it helps you to uh, give your attention something to, to, sink, to connect to the breathing with, Use that like it, like it colours the breath. Bud colours the in breath with the sound bud. Do colours the out breath with the sound do. Make sure it's connected to the breath, though. So it's not just buddha 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 buddha. Essentially, buddha like that, you know. And yeah, you can interrupt if you're having difficult mind states and you get this kind of sound comes booming through. It just helps to dislodge them. Oh, the different reality of truth. 
example, historical, scientific, personal, ultimate reality. Everything is what it should be. No good, no bad. Uh, <laughs> seems to be more a philosophical question. Well, what's reality? The Buddha didn't say there was any ultimate reality. He said there's an ultimate resolution, which is ending of suffering and clinging. But he didn't say then you see ultimate realities. No, when ending of suffering, you're experiencing cessation, nibbana, cooling, release. That's not, you call that reality. It's, reality sounds like something fixed and solid. Yeah. It's a realization of the release from the condition. These other things like history and science and so forth and these are generally um, these uh, uh, you know, conceptual conceptual arrangements try to explain experience in some way or another but we do realize that they don't actually explain things very well you look at history you get whose history you know <laughs> Everybody has a different history. And you get, you know, history can be generally a very uh, biased view of accounts of what happened. Scientific truth is very, uh, just means this is the best we can do with the devices we have. We've got these measuring devices, this is the best we can do with them. But then they get another measuring device and oh, something else. <laughs> Didn't see that before. <laughs> so it's always just a, a kind of a, a, a statement about what we can, what we're capable of measuring. Maybe measurement itself is finally not possible. Yeah. We find with the, you know, with the quantum physics, they say eventually measurement doesn't work because measurement interferes with the process. It's it's uh, you can't you can't stand outside of reality and measure it because you're in it. So as soon as you start doing measuring, that affects everything. So you can't measure <laughs> things because things are not you know things change all the time. So eventually, you just throw the measuring thing, measuring stick away. So, well, you know. But what do you want to know? <laughs> yeah. What do you want to know? You can know conditions. You, know, you can know conditions. What conditions give rise to what? How conditions affect each other? Yeah. So science to some extent can do that rather well. Given this, if we do that, if we do that, this will probably happen. Well, yeah, that's true. We don't do this and we do that this turns out that way it's very good at that and also 
Buddhist wisdom is good at that too. Buddhist wisdom is based upon understanding, well, one of aspects is understanding conditions. If you put your attention to that way, that's the consequence. This can lead to that, and that will lead to that, and so forth. So dependent origination is all about conditions and what, um, how they weave. But it always says this is just conditioned real- reality or conditioned experience. How real it is? No, it's not ultimately real. It's created. There is an uncreated, but that's not described as a reality, it's just not, it means we don't condition anything. Anyway, this is philosophy. Perhaps it's the wrong time of day for philosophy. Well, we understand Dhamma teachers teaches us to skillfully not proliferate and exaggerate thoughts and emotions connected to past events. But, how do two people in a relationship resolve an indiscretion of the moral code? How does the Dhamma guide one to accept responsibility for actions that harm another? It's um, yeah. I mean, you just have to talk about it. Really, doesn't mean you have to exaggerate or proliferate. You just say, I, I, I sense this. I experience this. Tell me, what's your view? Is that true or not true? And, okay. Well, I'll tell you. This bothers me. This concerns me. You know, I feel upset. I feel disappointed. Okay, that's what happens. And uh, you know, I thought I'd let you know that uh, you know, you're, this is the effect that it has on me. And you know, can you uh, can you give me an understanding of why you act in that way? So you need to talk these things over, get common ground of what we find. If you're in some kind of relationship, what's the what's the code of that relationship? It means we're honest with each other. Otherwise, there's no relationship. We're not open and honest with each other. We don't have a relationship. We don't, can't share. We can't help each other, correct each other, point out things. There's no relationship. It's just a couple of billiard balls bouncing against each other. Who's right and who's wrong? Now, the theme generally when you know, people make mistakes, as we all do, discretions make mistakes, is heedlessness took over, passion took over, confusion took over. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't make me look very good. Yeah. Makes, doesn't make me look very so I don't really want to acknowledge it. I'm a little bit embarrassed, so I can kinda of well maybe, you know, try and wriggle out of it. <laughs> So you're going to say, you just, yeah, but look, I'm not trying to punish, you just get you to understand, you know, your welfare, because you can do yourself some harm. Like that, you know? If you're wise and you have a proper relationship, then you recognize, well, um, actually, I'm in this relationship in order that somebody gives feedback. It isn't always what I enjoy, but it's probably better own up clear, be honest, 
get straight, understand what mistakes I make and try and set them straight. And if that's not possible, your relationship is really not very strong. And you've got to consider, is this necessary? Is it really wise to put much more energy into it? Jitta, is it a harmony between the brain and the heart? Does it include all levels of consciousness from normal day-to-day functioning of the mind to intuition and super-consciousness cosmic awareness? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. Well, uh, uh, (laughs) where do I start? There's a lot of words in there that I'm not entirely comfortable with or clear about what's cosmic awareness, what's super consciousness, what's intuitive. I try to use the, uh, refer to the language of the Buddha, and I use a word like citta. So, it'll be like this citta consciousness, uh, citta is that which directs consciousness. Can say it's the heart of consciousness. Yeah? So consciousness is just the ability to pick up sight, sound, touch, and mind. And mind consciousness is a huge, huge possibilities. Yeah? Visual consciousness, not much, just a range of colours. The chitta then is the Okay, consciousness, I want to see something, I want to hear something, I want to touch something. So it motivates, it drives that, that process towards some object or another. Yeah. So one of the fundamental qualities of citta, when it's activated, it has intention, it drives consciousness to bring in some sense data. Now, obvious level of mind consciousness is thoughts and perceptions. So Chitta goes, what's that? Give me a word. Okay. Who's that? What's her name? Uh, give me a word. What's that funny thing over there? Tell me what it is. Perception. Right? So then the mind, so it pushes mind consciousness to come up with something to create a mental object and uh, generally there's a sort of it's interested in doing that sometimes it's extremely impassioned to do that Mm -hmm. to to find something some object or not it's got a motivation And this motivation can be quite uh, obvious, mundane, it can be rather lofty. It's going to that ability to send, direct the mind towards subtle states, such as subtle form, rupa, subtle form, kind of forms that arise in terms of your energies, your energy body. They train it, the chitta can turn the mind consciousness to, towards subtle perceptions, subtle radiances, 
that begin to arise if you know where to look for them. So meditation training begin to stump, sometimes stumble into these. Oh, that's interesting, and then get interested. Chitta gets interested in that. Oh, let's direct attention there. And consciousness then picks up subtle forms. It does so. Consciousness is placed on that level of subtle form consciousness. Otherwise, it tends to be on the basic level, which is a sensory level. Consciousness is normally based on the sensory level, but it, you know, and then it can also lift to these uh, more sublime levels. And there are stacks of these more and more sublime levels that arise. We can rise through skillfully filtering out um, defilements and interest in coarse phenomena. Yeah. Get less interested in coarse phenomena, such as sensations. You get more interested in subtle radiances and, and energies. So that consciousness is then lifted to these levels. If you look in the Buddhist cosmology, you see them all stacked up. Deva lokas, Brahma lokas. These are all levels of consciousness that Jitta can propel, can lift up to. Yeah. And it goes on like that. Yeah. Yeah. And these, of course, these these levels of consciousness are extremely refined and boundless and gentle and sublime. But but <laughs> they're not nibbana. You know, <laughs> but certainly through recognizing, you know, the, how the, the ordinary level of sense consciousness is rather crude and clumsy and uncomfortable you know, sticking around here for <laughs> I want to be with this you know <laughs> you can <laughs> but then you know the encouragement is yeah you can do that you can also what happens when jitta senses itself so in a way you become conscious or aware of citta that interested that motivating that, that which is searching for something that which is what happens when you're aware of that and say what happens to you citta if you begin to just let go of going anywhere don't get so interested in forms perceptions, feelings they just yeah it just goes on and on and on. What happens if you, you lose interest in all that? When there's no passion. But it says consciousness does not get established anywhere. When consciousness is not established, not supported, consciousness is liberated from taking any position. You know? So that's the, you know, there's, there's the Nibbana. Things are blown out, extinguished. Through the extinguishing of degrees of passion, and that's that's the training of citta. And really, it's it's a I mean, it's a difficult thing to even explain and bring across and make meaningful. It's an extremely uh, refined process that you have to kind of 
feeling way towards to recognizing basically that feelings arise and pass perceptions arise and pass Brahma Lokas arise and pass Deva Lokas arise and pass it goes on and on and on and having had enough of this by now up and down so Chitta says one thing it's called Nibida had enough <laughs> but you can't you can't rush that you've got to get the Chitta like a, like a dog you get to chew that bone long enough this is I'm fed up with chewing this bone I've had enough <laughs> but it happens doesn't it you know we gave up our teddy bears and our, our toys and our you know little things we delighted in when we were kids we oh, forget it I had enough of that but then we've got some new toys got a motorbike woo woo that was good and then I oh, had enough of that <laughs> and so on and so on and so on eventually it's not not things aren't wrong it's just this sense of oh wow no there's no oh wow about it you know this is just another one of kind of arising and passing so let's just <laughs> uh, you know so of course this does does require support doesn't it gently coax it's more comfortable so it can, it can actually witness things clearly as they are so meditation if it's conducted carefully is like the shortcut fast track to nibbana because you don't kind of fool around in these devalokas you know devaloka you'll be up there for a kalpa long time and then just no 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 because you really really it's based upon again I must say it again it's so simple what arises passes feeling pleasant feeling arises passes mind states arise and pass uncomfortable feelings arise and pass what is it that knows that very simple you know it's nothing cosmic about it perhaps it is cosmic because cosmos arises and passes too <laughs> just what is it that knows things arise and pass and don't have no self let's keep that kind of this, this is like a little question what is it that knows is aware things arise and pass nothing belongs to me nothing no self and how does that feel kind of that, that's you see that they, they, they are nibbani you're unbinding something from the fascination attachment this is the direct way of, of Nibbana. So the point of death, what do we do if we're overwhelmed with pain? And we can't, we're too weak, mind is too weak to maintain equanimity. What happens if one dies totally consumed by pain? 
Well, you know, this is really speculation, isn't it? But if you, you know, if you're dying consumed by pain in ten years' time, I don't think you'd be able to remember what I've said tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Or make much use of it, because you'll be in a kind of totally panicked, freaked out state. But you should also just consider, you know, that this, this personal mind, you know, that we're trying to find answers to getting out our minds, that's going to break up. It's going to break up, right? That's not going to get you past pain or death. It can't, you can't get past pain right now with that mind. It can't do it, right? But what can do it, jitta can do that by begins to, to begin begins to recognize how to release. And this this kind of what do you use this life for is to get your chitta properly active so it's wise. It gets a lot of wisdom, it gets a lot of know-how. And then we're at the point of death, chitta knows what to do. It knows what to do. It'll just do something spontaneously. Or you get some of your experiences and like a voice comes tells you what to do. Or you get a light comes and tells you go there. So these, these phenomena arise in death moment because the personal mind acts like a cage. And it blocks out a lot of the light. So we're stuck in this thing saying, well it's really dark in here, I can't see my way out. <laughs> I want to find my way out. So, well, get out of the cage, you know, and light will come streaming in. And so, this light sometimes there is a light, people experience this fundamental luminosity arise. So, I remember when I, was, I had a near death experience and I was poisoned, um, severely poisoned. And so I recognized my heart was really, really beating very, 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 very quickly. And I was kind of leaning somewhere. And then the consciousness started to go dark. Couldn't see anything. Didn't know where I was, couldn't hear anything. Then couldn't remember my name even, or anything. Thinking mind kind of collapsed. But it was just sense of love arose love and, and, and praise a sense of love and gratitude arose this is spontaneously this love and gratitude arose and this light arose this light shone and the love and the gratitude and the light shone and I was just in this and then it said go back you're in a body roll over in your body get back in the body and roll over (laughs) so I rolled over and I went to sleep and I woke up still didn't feel very good but the process had, had finished so in all that, there was no way of navigating. 
you know, we get to these points when the thinking, personal mind begins to break down, which it will do. Then you've got no choice. You can't navigate then. You have to rely upon the momentum of the goodness and the beauty of your chitta to carry you. So we say, you know, this is this in a way why we you're cultivating good deeds. Because all that punya, the bun, the blessing, chitta absorbs that. And the wisdom the chitta absorbs in it. It's not talking, it's not saying it all the time. And sometimes you don't even realise it because you're stuck in this wall of noise with your head chattering away. Well, when that begins to break down, then you've got this life force of your chitta is able to flow freely without the person getting in the way. And that's what takes us. That's what carries it forth. The chitta then moves forth, forward. It moves in accordance with its, its potential, its wisdom, its love, its parami, its beauty. It moves that's, that's what gets, that's what moves it. Yeah? And it moves towards something beautiful. Yeah? If you've done this kind of work. And, uh, you know, if you've saturated your mind in ill will and corruption, it probably doesn't do it. <laughs> but it's not physical pain that's the problem. It's defilement that's the problem. It's not physical physical pain. Yeah, we don't like it. Nobody likes it. But you may, I don't trivialise it. It's, it is a problem. It's not the problem. The problem that really is your is a problem is defilement. Is um, you know unwholesome thoughts, unwholesome dispositions, and unwholesome motivations. You know. So we, you know, so some would say we're practicing. We feel uncomfortable. We're in pain. Or, you know, we don't like it. But let's just get, you know, stop. Don't so kind of really try to release the ill will, you know, or or you know, complaining about it. Just try to release that. You know. and because this isn't the only place in which we cultivate. We're sitting here. We're going to get up and move around. Let's cultivate gentleness, kindness towards each other. All this is definitely meritorious, punya. We're in a situation where this is the blessing of being a human. If you're like a cat or a dog, you can't make that much merit. A human being has got enormous possibilities to do so. So you've really got a chance to you know, boost up the potential for, you know, a beautiful abiding or even liberation altogether. And that's going to take you to the other, to wherever you're going, to the other shore, the next, the, the accumulations of that. You know. So, okay, so don't worry about it, you know. Because uh, you, you'll find also. You know, as the system breaks down, then the physical pain disappears. You know, maybe confused or chaotic, but the body disappears. Physical pain disappears. 
body you are released from that that that's happens you know being with people dying that's what happens you know they may struggle a bit and then uncomfortable hot sweaty agitated restless and then struggling and then releasing and then struggling and then releasing and then It's always that last release is always kind of beautiful. Last release is beautiful. I think you'll enjoy it when you get there. (laughs) (laughs) But meanwhile. Gotta keep going. <laughs> so we can make some more merit so that we while <laughs> oh, the time is ready. Right. Qigong. So the person enjoys this, um, finds it similar to Hatha Yoga, and helps to. Um, says the person feels the left side of their body is much tighter more blockage than the right side so I'm also over analytical which seems to be a left brain function could Qigong help me to be more balanced in body and mind? yes definitely that's one of the themes of it so Qigong literally means cultivating energy so when we say we're uh, time for more blockage in one side this means the energy is unbalanced uh, one side has got too much energy bottomed up, the other side not enough that's a very simple and common experience not that many people are symmetrical, most people are either right side heavy or you know, not quite balanced, quite normal um, but you see what you're doing with the Qigong is, is you're beginning to and what I'm doing here is just really, really basic, simple stuff, so it's easy to remember. Is it just kind of moving the, the body in a way which is not power-based or driven-based, it's just flexibility. And it's a flex, flexibility and connection. The muscles are then soft, and all the connective tissue that connects all the muscles, yeah, isn't under the pressure when a muscle hardens it puts pressure on things so that tends to limit the energy flow energy can only flow like the way of power which is generally pushed like that so you know because it's compressed now if that is not compressed the energy instead of that it goes suffuses suffuses and this is certainly when we talk about metta, metta's like that, it suffuses jhana's like that, it suffuses it's the energy is not pressurized, it suffuses yeah, so it's like steam, you know, suffusing and it suffuses that softness begins to penetrate areas that were previously closed so we keep things open let the energy find almost like if you, if you get uh, water and there's a slope, the water will find its way down the slope 
So the energy will tend to flow from where it's excessive to somewhere it's less, so it begins to level itself. What we need to do is maintain the connections between the over-energized and the less energized and just gently encourage a kind of little bit of fluidity between those poles, a little bit of soft sweeping between those poles, a little bit of moving and using the breathing to to act as the kind of suffusive quality that, that encourages energy to operate in that way. You know, just like steam will penetrate you know, everything becomes damp mist and steam so the softness penetrates everything and it naturally it, the very mode of operation um, because it's not power based and it's not uh, it's not it's not driven by willpower. It's not something we decide upon. We don't decide where the energy will go. We just what we do is we open up and the energy find where it needs to go. So this means the mind itself is being trained to be a little more receptive and open and rather than forceful and domineering or analytical you've got an over analytical mind you can't analyze energy you'll go where it goes so this definitely helps to to just make the mind itself a little more softer and more open and so that itself means that we're much more carefully receptive to this experience of body and that has a good effect notice many questions always have this thing what should I do when I get to this what should I do when my breath fades out what should I do when my breath is irregular what should I do if I can't Who's, all this do- who's doing all this doing? <laughs> Who does breathing? Do you say, no, now I'm going to breathe in, now I'm going to breathe out. No, breathing happens. You train yourself to be receptive to it. Breathing knows what to do. <laughs> so your training is to be listening, to be following something picking up the signs and following it. It's not to be deciding what I'm going to do here and there. Just, and sometimes you get to these passages where things seem strange, you don't understand why is that like that. I don't know. But check your attitudes. It's going to be accepting. Things are mysterious. Maybe the things will just unfold in their own time. You know, things blocked and maybe that block will just start, eventually will start to release without you having to figure out what to do you know? so this is one aspect of reducing that sense of self and we realize that citta 
has a lot more wisdom than I do. You know, if you get it on the right track, it's like a, a child, you know. You start off a child needs training, child needs restraining, child needs good feeding, child needs education, then eventually a child gets smarter than me, and bigger and stronger than me. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I've done what I, did, what I needed to do to set you up, right? Now you show me. Because uh, it can grow beyond beyond uh, your reasoning mind, beyond the sphere of reason. Uh, yeah. Okay, so let's um, uh, just pause for this evening, beyond the sphere of reason. Good place to stop. <laughs>